Hello, and welcome to The Conversation. This is Christy, and you are listening to episode 43 of Conversations to Connect, where I will be having what I'm positive will be an enlightening conversation with my yoga teacher and very good friend, Rachel Grant Jackson. Rachel is a certified Anusara yoga teacher, mama to Eloise, and a longtime ambassador for Lulumon. Rachel is a graduate of Columbia University and began teaching yoga in New York in 2000. I also took it upon myself to take this excerpt because I love Rachel's style of teaching. And when I read this, um, somebody else described this type of style. And I thought that I would include this so people just kind of got a sense for who you are and how you teach. Um, all of Rachel's yoga classes are centered around a unique physical and spiritual theme, which is woven throughout every heart opening alignment specific practice. Serene yet smart. Rachel subtly laces each practice with philosophy so that you get a dose of Zen minus the pseudoscience or hippy dippy nonsense. Since 2006, Rachel has taught at all the best studios of LA and um, her inspiration is to inspire all of her students to live their best life which she most certainly has done for me. So I'm honored to have her here. Hi, Rachel. Hi, I'm honored to be here. It's such finally. a pleasure. Yes, finally, finally, we're getting to have this conversation. Yes, I've been talking to Rachel about this for at least six months now. And through a series of events, I said, you know, this is really going to drive the conversation that we have today because I myself have gone through some pretty personal struggles with one loss after another. You know, I had a dear friend pass away. I had some other stressors. Um, my dad now has been diagnosed with cancer. And so it just seems like in life, sometimes we get hit with so much and how much my practice was challenged in that regard. And, you know, for five years of studying yoga and practicing meditation, it was really the first time that I had a whole lot and I really relied on my practice. And so I invited Rachel to also talk somewhat about like what that means for students. Cause I know that you've probably seen that a lot. I know certainly Rachel and I have also been through a lot since the pandemic. Um, I met her in um, Colorado wanderlust and you had that F perfect was the name of the class. And I was like, this sounds amazing. And it was, and then Rachel went to LA and I went to Pittsburgh and then the pandemic happened. And so Luckily, Rachel has uh, and still continues a Saturday class that's also recorded for people who can't make it at the time. But we've been through a lot from the very start of the pandemic to yeah. all the political stuff to everything and just really coming together as community. So yeah. thank you for all of that and for also being here. I'm really I'm really happy to be here and I'm happy we're we're having a conversation about this because as you were describing the past months that you've the past the color of the past months for you where there's been a lot of stuff that has come up it made me think about how much the practice whatever your practice might be it needs to be an anchor in your life this this still point that is so steady um that is unwavering that you can keep coming back to to sort of tether yourself to no matter how stormy your real life is, right? And 
we could, and in any given moment of your life, there is a lot happening, right? There's a lot of external influences that dance around your everyday life, like really simple. Like the second you open your eyes, you perceive everything that's around you. The sunscapes get flooded with information all day long, every day. And we've all become really good at collating that information just because we've we were we went through a regular development process and we're able to use our memory and we know green is green we know leaves are leaves we don't have to go through like discovering what these things are because we we our brain already predicts what they are our brain also starts to predict um reactions to everything as well but that's like a that's something we can and talk interpretations about. and interpretations of what's exactly. happening to us rather than that's the control that we have a hundred percent. So we, we have stories that we associate with all these things that are coming into our life. So even in the most mundane day, you are flooded with external influence and hopefully your physical yoga practice. It could be like, even if you're a runner or you like to hike, or you like to spend time in nature, whatever you do that um, you would say as a spiritual practice, that thing needs to help connect you to the still point that exists inside of you so that you start to get really, really adept at connecting to that still point so that literally no matter what is happening around you, you're able to stay connected to, we call in, in, our community, we call it essence nature or the still point at the base of the heart or, you know, the essence of who you are, the real, I, I, I've shied away from saying capital S self as opposed to, you know, lowercase S self because there really is no distinction because you're, it's all you. Um, but yeah, that, 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 so that when you hit these times in your life and they will happen for everybody that are even more frenetic and um, sorrowful and intense and challenging. It's not that those, those are gonna be less sorrowful or less challenging or less heartbreaking. That's not what it's about. It's about the fact that you're able to connect to that still point. You're able to be in your heart and experience the full spectrum of what's happening fully and digest your experience fully so that you can move forward as a whole, your whole self, you know, and to not- for a lot of people, they miss that. Like, because life is so busy, especially now. And if you have school and work and children and responsibilities that yourself and your practice in that true spiritual essence is lost for a lot of people. Do you find that too? Because I even find like, I, I will say, okay, I'm going to do my practice on this day. And it's the first thing to say, I'll get to this later. You really have to be intentional with carving out that time and finding what it is. I think you a hundred percent have to be intentional with carving out the time. And then but, but the benefit is after a really long period of time of carving out the time to do that practice. And like, let's be clear, we're not being prescriptive about like the right kind of yoga to practice or the right meditation to do. In my opinion, it all works. It's just what works for you. Right. Um, but after a long period of time of just carving out that time, then the practice that that connection 
starts to, to, to creep out into your real life. And mm-hmm. then you start to be able to, to literally just in the middle of the day, take five deep breaths and feel like you just got out of Shavasana after a 90 minute yoga practice. Muscle memory. It's a, that's right. It's like a, a muscle memory. And we talk about this all the time in my class that it's, we will move through practice and we're, we're triggering our awareness. So we have a sensation when we're in a physical yoga posture and we become aware of that sensation. And that is just triggering what I call it the awareness muscle. So that, Mm -hmm. so that in the middle of the day, when you're having a heated conversation at work or with your, your partner or a loved one, you can pause, you can take a deep breath, you can hear what they're saying, but you can stay connected to your heart essentially so that you're speaking from your heart you're you're acting from your heart you're acting from this deeper place of awareness as opposed to your knee-jerk reaction or your habitual reaction right which we call some scars or your you know you perceive something to be one way but if you can pause and really process it maybe you understand that your initial perception isn't exactly what was being presented to you Mm mm-hmm you know, so basically it, it just becomes more integrated into your life. Oh, a hundred percent. And that idea of intention, the pause creates a response rather than a reaction is what I'm often talking to clients about of if you just take that moment and you think, where am I coming from? What are my needs? Where's this person coming from? Where are their needs? And what might be miscommunicated along the way? Because I think that as a society, we've come to the point where like, I'm right. I know I'm right. My phone says I'm right because everybody that it filters me to be connected through to whatever is just like, I think we're losing a lot of critical thinking. So just being able to have conversations with people, I believe you should be able to say anything to anyone, as long as you're coming from a kind and compassionate place that, you know, we should have difficult conversations with people, but we should not, you know, react in the ways that are going to be harmful to this comes up in your classes too. harmful to self harmful to others we try to live a life of nurturing and caring rather than you know harming to others so yeah and I and I think I think that point of starting with yourself right that typical analogy of being on the airplane and you give oxygen to yourself before you do to the small person perhaps that you're traveling with right you put the mask on yourself before you help someone else that's so true. And if we can really make that time that we create for our practice intentional in that way, that we, we really do serve ourselves so that we can be of service to others. Absolutely. And that what you said is true. Everybody's path is different. Actually, I think I said we're on episode 43. The last one Max was on. So um, Rachel knows Max very well. He's going to actually be coming to do a breathe to heal training here in um, May. So on how lucky are you guys? I know, right? (laughs) He's one of the best. He is. And it's just so interesting because with different teachers, you get different things. So I'm curious, I don't really know like how you came to be in your own practice and how you found yoga. I'm curious. So I started practicing in New York um, in, as you said, in 2000 at a studio called, uh, it was at the time called B Yoga. Now it's called Ishta Yoga. And the, the main teacher there was named Alan Finger. And he, um, he um, 
the practice stands, the, the acronym stands for Integrated Sciences of Hatha, Tantra, and Ayurveda. So um, I've always done a, a yoga practice that was based in tantric philosophy or non-dual Kashmir Shaivism. There's a lot of names for it. And um, then I moved to Los Angeles and I found Anusara and I started practicing and really quickly went, went deep into the physical practice through, um, through Anusara, but then also just fell in love with the philosophy. So it was even more philosophically driven than, um, than Ishta. And, you know, it's funny, I, I had a, I had a, a several interactions with a few teachers that that seemed really like unethical and there's no need to like really go into the reasoning behind that. But to me, I, I held the practice so sacred. I felt that to teach it, you, you, you had to really talk the talk, but also walk the walk. And it seemed to me that the few people I had interacted with in a negative way weren't and that, I, I had a lot of integrity around that. And um, I, I found another teacher in LA and he, his name's Ross Rayburn of Peloton Yoga now. He's, a, he's, their, um, he's one of their main yoga teachers, but he really mentored me and encouraged me to do a teacher training. I never had an intention of teaching necessarily, although this experience I had had, I felt like, okay, well, if I can talk to the doctor and walk the walk, maybe I'll, maybe I'll become a teacher. And I went through my training and he had me teach a class for him just because he was like caught in traffic and couldn't get to the studio. And I was right at the end of my training and I taught this class and I thought, okay, maybe I can do this. And I still wasn't a hundred percent sure, but um, I quickly gained, got classes at the studio and started teaching very much under his mentorship. And then it just all sort of expanded from there. Um, but for me, it's always been about the physical practice has just been a manifestation of the, the philosophical, um, and spiritual aspects of the practice that have, were the main draw for me. And not to say that yoga that has no philosophical underpinning to it is less than what what we do um because i don't believe that i think there's a place for all of it and i think i think all of it is like a gateway drug to deeper connection and it's again it's not to be prescriptive this was just my way and i was i've always been really interested in philosophy so it was like it was like more of an intellectual way in for me than necessarily the physical practice yeah sure and I think people get confused on that end of it sometimes. Is it more of a philosophical practice? Is it more of a physical practice? And students come in with different expectations around that, which is why every teacher has a following of what like that person, no way is absolutely. Right. Yeah. The no way is the right way. And, and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's such a, it's so vast and it, it exploded so quickly in the West yoga and yoga teaching relatively speaking and you know there were teachers becoming teachers and it was almost as if these programs couldn't really catch up a lot of teachers didn't didn't even know if their practice was linked to a particular lineage or philosophy some were some weren't so you know it's um it, it's tricky but for me that's 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 was my journey and I think you're right I think it any any 
you know, I, people do come with expectations. And I think you try a lot of different practices and you find what works for you. And even the messenger matters to some degree. And that's just like life too. I tell clients when they're coming in for their initial session, we're going to throw a bunch of things at the wall and see what sticks like there. And to really challenge our self-talk and how we've come to be a lot of people will say they're their own worst enemies that they're not. We talk about that all the time on the podcast of just how harsh and cruel we are with ourselves, that yoga can be a gateway to lessening, you know, how serious we take things, but not yeah, all- I'm, I want to just that that made me think of something to circle back to what we were talking about earlier about perceptions and stories, you know, words are approximations for experience, right? So think about when you're, you know, let's say you're hiking with your friend and all of a sudden the trees clear and there's this unbelievable vista. This view is just literally breathtaking and you stand side by side taken the view and then the moment one of you says something about it it's changed right even if you say oh my god this is so beautiful the moment the words come into it it becomes something else it becomes it becomes less than what it was which is a wordless experience like the experience of you being connected to your heart it is wordless and <laughs> And amazing. Because it does make everything that you take in different. It's almost like, like I've been on your meditation retreats where it's almost as if you're on drugs because you're so engaged in like, oh my gosh, look at that spider doing that thing. And just so connected with the interconnectedness of all beings. And um, if you could talk a little bit to your experience of that, because you bring that to your students every day. Like, I I think you probably know that, (laughs) but just sometimes you'll say something in the middle of a class and it's like, oh yeah, all of a sudden a million connections are made. Yeah, right. I mean, um, I read the, in college, I read the, I don't know if you call it, I guess you call it the story of Indra's net and it it describes this, this web just because you said web. So it made me think of that, this, this web, and this is a, a, a very gross oversimplification of this story. So please forgive me for anyone who's out there and knows it. Um, this vast web, this netting at every intersection, there's a precious jewel. And every single intersection of the webbing of the net, there's this beautiful jewel holding it together. So it's this vast net of the most precious jewels that have ever been in the world. And if one um, ray of light hits one of the jewels, it's reflected in all of them. I think about that a lot. We are all that interconnected. And also there's this there is just this divine unfolding of the pattern of life and it's constantly happening. And I've struggled with trying to control the circumstances in my life. I don't know if anyone else can relate to that. I think you're probably totally alone in that. (laughs) And then also trying to control the way- This semblance of control. And that's what happened with the pandemic. Like nothing is in within our control. And so many people were smacked in the face with, trauma responses to that, that they didn't even know that they had, because it's like, oh, this is what trauma looks like. I've never had it in my life, but like 
let's be honest, everybody's had stuff that they haven't known what to deal with. They've probably gotten some maladaptive behaviors or coping skills that aren't the best for them around them. And yeah, it's nothing is within your, and that can be terrifying or it can be exhilarating. And how do you balance that? So I'm happy that you brought that up. Yeah. And we can't, we can't control a lot of what's happening around us. And we Especially can't people. the right. That's what I was just about to say. We can't, as much as I spent 40 years trying to control everyone around me. And then I finally realized, oh, well, this isn't working. <laughs> Time to shift gears. But how, for people listening, how do you shift gears? Because that can be, I mean, it's also when I talk to people about meditation, um, my teacher Lodro wrote a little book, um, Sit Like a Buddha. And it's just teeny tiny. And I tell people, if you want to like learn what meditation is, start there because 3000 years plus of all of this information, it can be overwhelming for people to be like, there's a disconnect between what I don't know I need and how I'm behaving now. Like how do people yeah, start to I, see I, that out? I think the first step is wanting it. I think you need to, I think you need to want to wake up. I think you need to want to wake up to the essence of who you really are. I think you you need to think that the story about the car you have or the neighborhood you live in, or, you know, you know, none of that actually, you one knows none of that actually matters. None of the external things that you, you use to categorize yourself or put yourself in a particular place. Like none of those things actually matter. And I think you have to just want, want to move past that and, and find that deeper connection. Um, Somebody recently told me, um, because dealing with a situation with uh, students that we have at our um, practice now of you can lead a horse to water and we hear like you can't make them drink. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them thirsty. <laughs> like there's almost like right. a thirst to want more and better. And then the commitment isn't as hard when you know your why or what is, you know, a hundred percent. A hundred percent, which is, you know, and in a microcosm in a yoga class, if this is the way the class is being taught, you'll have an intention or a sankalpa, you'll have a, a, a purpose for your practice, you know, and that can make your practice so much more powerful, but right. You have to, you have to want it, you have to want it, you know? Um, and I yeah. think that's the first step. And, and then, you know, meditation is also a really that's a tricky word because it can be elusive and hard to understand, but it's so simple and it's not, it's not complicated no. and it doesn't well, have to be rigid either. It can simply be being quiet mm -hmm. on a five okay. minute walk and observing what's happening around you. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, exactly. I worked with a woman once who owned a, um, veterinary practice and so was in charge of so much and couldn't find or carve out the time and mindful walks became a thing like okay you have a dog you can get out there and it doesn't have to look like you're sitting on a cushion doing xyz um find what works yeah and there's this wonderful it's such a simple practice um and we could do it right now and it's something that you can you can do eyes open, by the way, meditation doesn't have to happen with your eyes closed. It's just easier, right? Like we talked about how the second you open your eyes, when you wake up in the morning, the sense gates are flooded. So when your eyes are closed and you just close that one main sense gate of your vision, 
you're able to feel your experience in a more subtle way. Let's do Just it. Be- yeah, yeah. So you can do it with your eyes closed or open. And if you're walking right now or you're driving and you're listening to this, don't close your eyes. <laughs> Keep your eyes disclaimer. open. <laughs> Keep your eyes open. But what you can do is kind of soften your gaze, not if you're driving, but just a nice soft gaze. So eyes open or closed if you're seated and listening to this. And just notice your breath. Notice it moving in and out. You're not, you don't have to manipulate it. As you breathe in, notice that there's an expansion. Your, your chest perhaps lifts, the sides of your ribs widen, your belly may even expand. And notice what happens on the exhale, that there's the subtle contraction in, you maybe even feel the movement up of the breath moving up and out. Now imagine the very core of your body, what we call the central channel from the very center of the base of your pelvis. It runs right up through the crown of your head. It's uh, like an ethereal double to your spine. Just imagine this column that runs in your body. right around the center of your chest. You know where your rib cage crests up in the very center where the xiphoid process is, that's what that thing is. Right in from there, imagine a point, a spherical point, three-dimensional inside your body. We'll refer to this as the heart center. And just a little bit above the crown of your head, I want you to imagine another spherical three-dimensional point, specifically 12 fingers with distance above the crown of your head, continuing to breathe. Now imagine that as you inhale, you're taking breath from the very point above your head down into the crown of your head, down into the base of the heart center, which is this spherical point in your chest. And as you exhale, imagine the breath moving up and out along this same line to the point above your head. Every inhale, the energy moves down from the point above your head to the heart. Every exhale, it moves up and out to the point above your head. Now imagine a point of light and that point of light with your inhale travels from the point above your head down into the heart. And that point of light travels up from the base of the heart to the point above your head. We'll take three more breaths like that, inhaling the point to the heart, exhaling it above your head. Now try to keep a 
an awareness of the heart center. Bow your chin towards your chest. And just slowly blink your eyes open, taking in whatever you perceive in your environment. But try to maintain a felt sense of the heart center. So it's simple. It's such a simple thing. It's a shift from only having your focus externally to pulling it internal. And for those who did it with the eyes open, you were maintaining an, a slight external focus so you could keep yourself present in whatever you were doing, but still maintaining this inner awareness. That was lovely and wonderful. Thank you. And such a great reminder that we can do this. Like you said earlier, just three breaths, grounding your feet into the ground and starting to be kinder and gentler with yourself of saying, it's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay for all of the things that we shame ourselves for. Like shame is so prevalent in our society and in it destroys relationships because we don't show up as our authentic self. If we're trying to wear these masks, you know? Mm. Yeah. I, I, I never thought about it quite in that context, but that's uh, so true that it's, it is about accepting all parts of you. And that's part of the, the tantrica, the non-dual philosophy is that you are every aspect of you is divine being, right? So you've, if divine's a word that gets tricky for you, it's just you are the, the most magical, amazing stuff you could imagine is what you're made up of. And one of my teachers says, you see that blade of grass outside your window? You are just as special as that blade of grass. <laughs> Everyone is amazing. I and love just that. Just as special as everything else in the planet, right? So like everyone has this, everyone's made up essence. of the same essence, which is, we can't even put words to it. It's so amazing. But do we walk around acting like that? Like, and, and, and as someone who's clinically narcissistic, I'm not saying that because that's like an inauthentic <laughs> connection to their, their essence nature, but that if that's the case, then all facets of you are, are, are worthy of being accepted. I think and we have those. Oh, go ahead. The I was just going to say this one other piece that I feel like speaks to what you were saying about shedding the layers of, of those masks or the persona, you know, to reveal your true self is that everyone's making the best decision they can in any given moment even the most horrible decisions that have ever been made over the course of eternity. I don't think people approach a situation and think, what is the worst possible decision I could ever make? They make the best possible decision for whatever outcome they hope to gain. But, and we, we can put malice on the, the shelf for a second, or we could discuss it, but I think everyone's everyone, and we say this in a very common like vernacular phrase, 
everyone's doing the best that they can, you know, like that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, and when we're going through something like tragic, it's easy to be like, life is so short. We don't have that much time, but then we forget that. Like we just get back into the mundane routine. Like these are the things I need to do. And we don't stop to take in that essence. A hundred percent. Which is why back to the point of whatever that practice, whatever that practice is that connects you to your essence, that makes you feel good, that, that could be called a spiritual practice, like a meditation practice or a yoga practice, um, or you were a runner because that becomes a spiritual thing too, whatever it is for you. It's, it's that muscle memory so that you do pause a little bit longer when you see that incredible vista before you say something because you're so immersed in it, you know, or you put on a piece of music, which is a great meditation. You put on a beautiful piece of music, whatever it might be, something that really moves you and you close your eyes and you listen to it. You listen to the song. You don't talk. You're not eating dinner. You're not, you know, having a glass of wine but you, you literally just sit and listen, you immerse yourself in the beauty of the music. I mean, that's an epic meditation to your point. Like we, we train that muscle so that I mean, I'm looking out at these like giant banana leaves, like you do see them and the colors just captivate you to the point where everything is like heartbreakingly beautiful. And how cool that we get to be human and experience that because I'm going to call him out, Michael Norris, you need to come on and have a conversation with us because something he said in the um, workshop that I took with you and him was he said, if you're ever feeling down about yourself, and I say this to clients all the time now, and they kind of laugh, like if you're ever feeling down about yourself, remember you were born a winner because your sperm beat out millions of us. Like you get to have this experience and we don't Mm -hmm. often like stop to say, wow, um, this, this life is challenging. It's heartbreaking. There's sorrow. Like this is all going to be part of the landscape. Like how boring would it be if we always got what we wanted? And if we didn't have those disappointments, because we wouldn't cherish the wins as much as we do when they happen. Yeah. And I think like that's part of like training yourself to experience the full spectrum of what is presented, right? So that, you know, sometimes we, we cut ourselves off also from feeling the full joy, right? And it's because maybe we've, we've changed, trained ourselves to like shy away from the pain and then like it just gets bl- blanket applied to all experience, right? But like we do want to fully experience what is here because that's why we're in a body. We got lucky, like we hit the jackpot as, and Michael says it so technically precise, right? Like you were born a winner. You hit the jackpot. You got to be in this body. You got to taste chocolate. You got to see beautiful things, you know, listen to incredible music. Like you get to, you have the privilege of experiencing this life and And also the heartbreak and the sorrow and the deep pain We lose sight of that because for whatever reason, and I 
like to think like consumerism has a lot to do with it. We're taught to focus on what we don't have rather than the abundance that's within us and around us. And that's for whatever reason to keep us consuming. But this is, I think, a good segue into the program that you have coming up in January. Like, what is that? What can people expect? How could, because I feel like that might be an entry point for some people that are listening. Yeah. So I've been creating this curriculum for the greater part of this year, and it's a 21 day challenge running from January. It starts on January 9th, count 21 days after that. (laughs) And it's 30 minutes a day. And um, I'm teaching awareness practices. So you could call it meditation. But my, my goal with this course is that those who have a meditation practice, but are looking for more tools will gain more tools by doing this course. And those who have no experience at all will get a taste of meditation and awareness practices in a really practical way. So like the technique we just did together, I'm gonna teach many different techniques like that, where they're meant to eventually just be integrated into your into your daily life so that you, you are really weaving the practice into your life. And, um, and for those who've been studying the kind of yoga that I teach, um, these are the meditation practices that that go along with it, that really align with all the philosophical teaching. Um, and it's a good way for accountability. Like when I it's sign a great up accountability me, piece. it's like, yes, here I yeah, can. And you get it every day and, and you, you can do it at your own pace. Like you can just do the, the, the zoom meeting every day, or you can do the recorded version of the zoom meeting, or maybe you just read there's a little bit of homework every day because we're, we're going to try to meditate twice a day. Don't panic anyone who might be interested. I promise it's going to be doable, but, and maybe well, and you, know, you can cheat, but quite honestly, you'd be cheating yourself. So I feel like right. in that regard, you, there's no yeah. pressure to do it. But again, yeah. like, you know, one day there's going to be a poem and you'll, that's, that's the meditation and you read the poem and you take you can set the clock and you take two or three minutes to just digest it and think about what the poem was about and how it landed in your body and your mind and your heart. Right. Like these aren't, these aren't um, things that are very hard to grasp. This is doable for anybody and accessible to anybody. And that's really the reason why I'm teaching it is I want to get all my students meditating regularly. The benefits are amazing. I know when I went through my teacher training, it was like 30 days in and I was like, I'm eating a little better. My house is a little bit more organized. It was like that little shift that I was like, I didn't know that training my brain in that way was allowing so much of the garbage that was nonsense to like literally go away without you having to do anything. That's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. It's like a rudder on a boat right? Like we can't control, we can't control the waves. We can't, right? Like we can't control the environment as we said, but you can do a handful of things maybe that just gets the rudder to maybe steer in the right direction. Listen, the waves are going to be giant and they're probably going to like push you in one direction, but at least like incrementally you can slowly steer yourself wherever you want to be. Um, Yeah. And I think that's what happens you brought up before about um, 
you know, our labels and our successes and what we, how we define ourselves or how other people define us because, um, a good friend of mine, he's now retired and he got to the very top of his profession, doctor, scientist, like all of it. And he was speaking and he said, you know, I checked all of the boxes for success, but what really speaks to my heart is time with my grandchildren in my garden and doing these things that are always readily available, available, but we're so chasing that, like, what is my worth? And I don't know when it was. I don't know if it was a class, a conversation that we had on the phone, um, but you were talking about, I don't know if you'll remember when Eloise was in preschool and somebody had found out that you went to Columbia and called you like just a yoga teacher. Do you remember that? Of course I remember that. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? Because that's like, and it's the first thing I tell people, I'm like, oh, well, Rachel is just so smart. And like, of course she went to Columbia, but in a way that you're so humble and that you just connect all the dots in a very like serene way that uh, that's, I like the description of your classes being serene. So I think for people out there, like trying to be the best mom and trying to have this goal so that I can achieve status. Like, what was that like for you? And what was your takeaway? Yeah, it was funny because in that moment, when she said that to me, all I could think about was about her kid. And I was like, oh God, (laughs) that poor child. Um, You know, it's like, I, I empathize with her because she's, she's, she believes a story. She believes this one like really narrow story that who there's so few people that fit into that story and thrive. Right. And that was what creates anxiety, like suicide rates, depression, like people not being able to live up to those things is what like fills their spirit. Yeah. Yeah. That are again, are external. These are these yeah. things that we perceive outside of ourselves, not what's inside of ourselves. And you know, what you were saying, and, and this will circle back to sort of that comment that was made to me is I have so many students who are just like that man you described, uber successful, and they've hit the the pinnacle. And then it's like, well, what's next? I I thought, I thought it was going to be different. I thought it was going to feel fulfilled or well and let's be completely on it like you teach famous people so you teach people that people probably look up to and are like they have it all they have it all together what more and was it Jim Carrey who said I wish everybody could be rich and famous to know that that's not where it's at like for some reason we hear these words but we still push on like there's some truth to that right and if it's not fame and riches. It's some other benchmark that we're reaching for. And like, when you reach it, it like, it isn't the end all be all the end all be all is inside of you. Mm -hmm. It is the constant. No one can add to it and no one can take away from it. No one, no one. It is unchanging. It's unwavering. It is constant. And and real no matter quick, label it like it is within you. Everybody's born with it. Some call it innate goodness. Like it's there, even for the people who were like, there can't be any good in them. There was a lot of circumstances that led them to where they are now. But that innate goodness is the Buddha teaches. Like it's within you. Like it's attainable. Enlightenment is hopefully what we're all headed towards. Yeah, yeah. It's, it will change. In, it's in everybody. Mm-hmm. No matter how clouded it's gotten, right? Like no matter how much we there, 
there's lots of, you know, classical terminology we could use from the yoga tradition, which I won't, but there's those layers that get put on us from trauma and experience. And it doesn't seem like I'm making the best choice in any given moment, but I am because I've got all this stuff on top of me that clouds my heart, you know, but it's there way down deep underneath it, no matter what horrible things people are capable of. Um, and yeah, so, you know, I think hopefully it doesn't take like searching and striving for everybody on the planet to reach some unattainable expectation to start turning inside. And I think that this, what, this is one of the, I don't want to call it a gift because that's, that sort of minimizes it, but I, but I hope one of the, the, the takeaways from this pandemic is, is what really important, just like your, your friend who, said being in the garden with his children like mm -hmm. that's it right like that's it what's it for you like what's the thing that makes your heart sing no matter what like no matter what's happening around you and those things are triggers for connecting with your heart right like again the grandkids or the music or that thing that just connects you with that wordless beauty that is you right it triggers that connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so happy that we got this in right before this course is happening. Cause it's like, and then here it is, it's right in front of you. It's the start of the new year. We're here in Pittsburgh, freezing cold and dark. So lucky <laughs> for Rachel, it's, a, it's at least a little bit better, better weather wise, but now's the time to give yourself a chance to like love on yourself a little bit. I mean, it's not selfish, yeah. like self-care is, you know, not taught in the way that it should be like look take yeah. some time to really get to know who you are and we will in the post and everything we'll give all of Rachel's contact information it's rachelgrantjackson.com is what it is and um classes every Saturday always a new lesson and then like I said Rachel um will send you the link in case you miss the live class and then you have a week so if you're interested in learning more but um yeah, yeah, and that class is donation based. So for those who perhaps right now can't afford to donate ten dollars for that class, it's fine. You just attend live if you can, and it's nine a.m. Pacific on Saturdays. Yes, and we're always having something interesting to talk about. That's like the greatest thing. It's real. It really is a community. Like Rachel isn't a person that will just sit and teach the class. Like we're talking about things throughout the practice. Everything is really interconnected in a way like you have a real gift for that so I appreciate that about thank you. you um is there any like ending practice that you think might be a good like set yes. I don't want to put you on the spot but yes yeah I will <laughs> so this is better if you're sitting so for those who are walking or driving <laughs> hit pause and do hit it when pause you and finish it up later yes yeah so just close your eyes and this is a feeling practice. So again, feel your breath. And maybe the sense of the heart center will come right to you. Great. Be with that. And then notice and feel the backs of your legs connecting to the chair. 
notice if you're gripping or holding any tension and try to just adjust your feet forward slightly so that you're not holding tension in your thighs. Feel the sit bones, the, the bones that are the base of your pelvis connecting to the seat and allow your back to relax if you have a, a chair back into the back of your chair. And notice which part of your feet is touching, are touching the ground. Notice your heels touching the ground. Notice where the arches perhaps curve away from the floor. Feel the toe mounds, first the big toe mound, the one next to it, the middle toe mound, the one next to that, the pinky toe mound into the floor. Feel that curve between the toe mounds and the tips of your toes that curves away from the floor. And feel the tips of your toes, big toe, one next to it, middle toe, one next to that, and then the pinky toe. Imagine now, briefly, that there are roots underneath your feet connecting you deep into the earth. And if you are not on the ground floor of wherever you are sitting, imagine those roots go all the way past whatever part of a building they might have to travel through to connect to the earth. And likewise, imagine another root system traveling from the backs of your thighs all the way down, all the way down into the earth. And just feel the grounded connection. Take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. Gently bow your chin toward your chest and slowly blink your eyes open. Perhaps still imagining this connection, especially at your feet to the earth. I am not going to ruin anybody's Zen with many more words after that than namaste to you, Rachel. Thank you for being here. And I know it won't be the first time. We'll, we'll have more to talk about to come. So thanks again for being here. I'm, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Conversations to Connect with Gretchen and Christy. If you like our show, want more information and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.